So the parasha begins by telling us that Yitro, who was the priest of Midian, he came to join the Jewish people. Of course, Yitro is also the father-in-law of is also the father-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu. He came to join the Jewish people. He, he converted. And the Torah tells us why he converted. Because Yitro heard, Et kol asher asa Elohim lemoshe. He didn't just come for a visit. He heard all of what transpired with Moshe Rabbeinu and what happened in Egypt. That Hashem took us out of Misraim. That's why he came. Like Rashi Alava Shalom says, famous words of Rashi, the first Rashi in the Torah here in the parasha, Vayishma Yitro. Listen to these words. Ma Shemua Shama Uba. What did Yitro hear that got him excited to come? Why did he come? You know, imagine a guy is a priest, he's a very hashu person in his country to come move and relocate his physical home to relocate his whole life. It's not an easy thing to do. He's not a young man. He's Moshe's father-in-law. Moshe Rabbeinu was 80 years old at this time. So I don't know how old he was. He's got to be at least 100 years old. He's not a young person. So what could he possibly heard that made him relocate and change his whole life? So that she says, Kiriat Yamsuf, that was a main item. He heard about the splitting of the sea. Milhemet Amalek, and he heard about the war with Amalek. Now why specifically these two, and not everything else that happened, it's not for today's subject. But bottom line, there were two things specifically, the guy you throw very motivated and very excited. In life, it's what happens sometimes. Certain things motivate you. He got motivated. He got inspired. He showed up. He joined the Jewish people. He became part of Am Yisrael for history. Good? So far, you got that? Now, later on, when he actually arrives, if you look six or seven Pesukim later, when Moshe meets up with his father-in-law. It's in Pasuk Het. After they met, they greeted, they kissed each other. They said hello to each other. Okay, it's a son-in-law. You know, by the way, a son-in-law is obligated to give respect to his father-in-law. Not exactly like his father. Not There are many, many difficult laws when it comes to a father. Not so easy to respect a father. But... Almost the same like a father-in-law. A father-in-law is like a father. And we learned that, by the way. We learned it from Moshe Rabbeinu. How much respect he gave his father-in-law. Who was, by the way, an idol worshiper. He wasn't a great man. He respected him not for his greatness. He respected him because he was his father-in-law. Bottom line is, he comes in, and now, look what it says in Pasuk Het, by Saper, Moshe lehoteno. Moshe, Moshe starts telling the Sipur. What Sipur? The story to his father-in-law. 
את כל אשר עשה אדוני לפרעה ומצרים. Whatever Hashem did to Paro and to Egypt, על אודות ישראל for the Jewish people, את כל התלאה אשר מצאתם בדרך, all the difficulty they had on the road, ויצילם אדוני השם save them. So the question is, what exactly did Moshe choose? You know, he could have told him a lot of things, there were a lot of events that happened. What exactly did he choose to tell him at that meeting? So look at Rashi, Allah wa shalom. Rashi says, Et kol atela'a she'al hayam ve'shel amalek. He told them all about the story of the splitting of the sea. He told them about the war with Amalek. Rashi says that. It's very, very difficult to understand. The Torah introduces that the reason why he came all together by Yishma Yitro, Rashi just said, what did he hear? He came because he heard about the splitting of the sea and because he heard about the war with the powerful Amalek. So what does Moshe Rabbeinu say? Yitro, I want to share with you. He shares with him things that he already knows. And the Torah tells us this. I mean, this was not small talk. This is something so important. Torah tells us, by the way, you know what Moshe told him? He told him about the war with Amalek and the splitting of the sea. What does that mean? That's why he came. Tell him something else. This is a very strong question. The Mepharshim deal with this question. I'd like to share with you something that is super relevant to everybody here for all ages and for all people. It's a real reality of life that you must be aware of it. If you're not aware of it, there can be a lot of damage that can happen as a result. In life, there is something called inspiration. People are inspired. Usually when people accomplish things or become accomplished people, they are inspired at some point to become that. Inspiration can be for exercise, to work out, to feel better. You could be inspired to eat right. You could be inspired to be a better husband. You could be inspired to be a better father. You could be inspired to be a philanthropist. You could be inspired to learn Torah. You could be inspired to grow spiritually. There are many areas in life where a person is able to elevate themselves. A person's legacy at the end of the day is what they accomplished in this world. To accomplish, you need to be inspired. People just don't wake up one morning and say, okay, let me do this. It's not like that. They got inspired either because they saw somebody or because they felt something or they learned something, they read a book on something. Something has to explode in us for us to take on something new. We don't just wake up and do new things, especially if they're life-altering. We need to be inspired wherever that comes from. We get excited. And then, of course, excitement alone is not enough. But that's the beginning of all great people is moments of inspiration. But you have to know that inspiration is a very big trap. If you're not aware of the trap, you're probably going to fall in it 
and not realize the great benefits of the inspiring moment that you felt when you were all into whatever you were doing. I'll give you many examples. A guy gets inspired to start working out. Why did he get inspired? Maybe he walked out of shul on a 20 degree day. He's got his uh, three coats on, hats, the whole thing, ski gear, right? And the guy, he can't walk to his car. The car is right across the street. Until he gets to his car, he's already, he's breathing heavy. Okay, this whole ordeal takes him five minutes because he's overweight, he's not in good shape. And then he sees one of his friends in his shorts and tank top. <clears throat> the guy's gliding on Ocean Parkway. <laughs> That's an inspiring moment. Get to the gym, you know, like, come on. Look at you. You're a mess. You're overweight, you don't eat right, you don't exercise. So what happens to a normal person in that scenario? He, he gets inspired. What does he do? The first thing he do, he does, he says, oh, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to buy the machines. That's it. He's going to the basement, clearing out all the junk there. He's buying, and when he buys machines, by the way, he's not buying regular machines. They tell him we have for the amateurs, we have uh, for the pros, and we have for, like for the super pros. He's a super pro guy. Because he's inspired, he's going to do like crazy exercise. They told him, no, this is like, for, like, no, no, I want those. He goes to shop for clothing. He gets top of the line. The, all the, you know, the sneakers have to be the, the type that the pros have to wear because it has an extra incline and because every little inch matters. And the, like, I, that's what I want. I want those sneakers. I, I need that. I need that. I need that. By the time the guy set up his basement and got his clothes, he's already exhausted. Okay? That's, that's what happens. And maybe he'll use it once, maybe twice, but we know the story. The story is he's never doing it again. That's why it's very good, the gym business. I don't know if you know about the gym business. I'm not sure if you know about that business. It's a very good business. I met a guy once. Legit, I met a guy once. Yeah, he has a gym. He told me he has 6,000 members. I'm telling you, you can't get 600 rats in that room. It's the size of half of this room. Small. You have 6,000 members in this gym? I said, how do you fit 6,000 people here? He says, Rabbi, let me tell you a secret. People get excited to exercise. They sign up. They don't sign up for the year. They sign up five years. They're, they're, they're psyched out of their mind. They're, he said they come once, they never show up. The gym is always empty. You see people here and there. That's what it is. It's, it's admit, you can't make money in the people in the gym. Go buy an average gym. You see 10 people, 15 people. You think you could survive with that kind of rent? Impossible. But you have people that get inspired and never come back. It's a story not only in exercise, it's in dieting. It's a story in getting involved in a certain organization. How many times in an organization people say, yeah, I'm psyched. We're having a meeting, opening meeting. Whoever wants to get involved, we're building something. How many guys show up? 1,000 people. You need security guards. You need showroom there to keep away all the people. Because everyone wants, everyone, <laughs> every, everyone wants to be part of it. What do you mean? I'm psyched. They're, they're, they're building something? We're building a school, building a shul, we're building a, an organization. We're in. We're all ready. 
and someone gets up and they go crazy and they're signing people up. What do you want to do? I want to do not only I want to do this, this, and this. They want to do three things. This guy wants to do four things. Next meeting. We're having a meeting in two weeks. How many guys show up? 10%. And by the third meeting, you're sitting by yourself with somebody else. And he's probably coming because he feels bad for you. That, is that right? Sounds right. <laughs> Pretty accurate. <laughs> now what happened? Are all these thousand people liars? What happened to them? Oh, what happened? What they come for? Answer is they came because they really wanted to be involved. But then they fell out. It happens in every area of life. It happens in religion. A guy gets inspired. Okay, I'm going to come learn. He comes. He's ready. He buys the Gemarot. He buys a bookshelf with all the books. He's all ready. He comes to learn once, twice, three times. You don't see him. Done. Baruch Hashem, we're doing better than the gym. But, it, but, but it, you know, it, it, it's not great. You see a lot of people, they get, into, they get into it. They don't show up anymore. What happened? It could be in one specific area or it could be a general thing. We often see ourselves and many others, our children, how many times, how many times did a young man, a young lady get inspired in school either by their parents, grandparents, by their teachers and say, you know what? I really got to work hard. I got to prepare myself for life. That's it. I'm stopping with the nonsense. I'm going to do it. Almost everybody, you know, the first day of school, you go to any school you want. First day of school, you'll see people with pens and empty notebooks and they're psyched. The first day of school, they're writing notes like no one ever known, wrote before. Beautiful, beautiful. The first page. Look at any first page of a, of a student's. You'll see the first page is gorgeous. But the next page, the third page, by the fourth page, you see all, all drawings, all things. What, what happened? What happened is when you start, you say, I'm ready. I was going to be a good year. Nobody wants to be a bum at the end of the day. No one wants to be a loser. Everyone wants to succeed in what they do. But somehow, some way, you fall apart. There are endless, you understand, there are endless, endless examples of real life things that we get inspired and we end up falling apart. What's the reason? Because there's a trap to inspiration. There's a trap. What's the trap of inspiration? The trap of inspiration is that you get so high on what you're excited about that you almost feel like it's just going to happen. You see the guy gliding on Ocean Parkway, you're like, okay, I'm there. Just, I'm going to start and I'm getting there. And you feel not only excited, but you feel that the inspiration will stay with you always. Because inspiration is a moment of clarity. At this moment, you see clear, I got to do this. I, I got to stop doing that. Right? It's clear. When you have a moment of clarity, you could fall into the trap that this clarity is staying with you always. Why should it leave? If I'm clear now, 
I'll be clear in 10 minutes too. I'll be clear in 10 hours also. What's the difference? Clear is clear. Inspiration is momentary. The inspiration goes very quickly. It leaves you. Your clarity is gone very quickly. And, and, there's a rule in life. And everybody who gets inspired needs to know the rule when they're inspired. And that is that in life, real success in any area is going to require sacrifice and hard work. There's no such thing as accomplishing something real if you're not willing to sacrifice. You want to be a drug addict, you don't have to sacrifice. You want to be an alcoholic, you don't need sacrifice. You want to have a terrible marriage, you don't need sacrifice. You want to raise horrible children, you don't need sacrifice. But if you want real things in your life, in any area, in religion, you want to, you want to take out of religion what it can give you, you got to sacrifice. Shabbat is an example. Shabbat is awesome. Shabbat is literally living in Gan Eden. But it's not going to happen unless you sacrifice. Yes, there are things that you can't do. It's hard for you. I know, it's hard for you. You're right. There's no such thing as getting the maximum Shabbat if you're not ready to give up things. You can't have a great marriage if you're not ready to give up something. You can't have a great partnership if you're not ready to give up something. You can't build anything if you're not ready to sacrifice. It's a rule in life. Where there is greatness, there's sacrifice. And if there's no sacrifice, you can rest assured there's nothing here. It's a rule in life. So you got inspired. Being healthy is a great thing. Being healthy is a beautiful thing to have in life. But it's not going to happen unless you're ready to put in the work. And when you get inspired, you don't think about that. When you get inspired, you think about the greatness of what you're going to be. Whatever it might be. You think about the greatness of the Shabbat that was described to you. You went to a lecture. You heard the rabbi speak about Shabbat. He made it sound like you're literally sitting in this unbelievable paradise. He went from thing to thing, from the kibbeh to the lahamajin. He went to the food. He went to the, to, the, to the shul. He went to the sleep. He went to the whole thing, the family. After he finishes talking, you get up from this and you're not, I'm doing the Shabbat thing. The Shabbat is awesome. I'm, I'm in. Trap. What's the trap? You're feeling all the great feelings of Shabbat. But the rabbi forgot to tell you that it's going to take some sacrifice. They forgot to tell you that. So what happens? You start to learn. You start to keep Shabbat. And you realize, whoa, uh, this is hard. I can't do this. Oh my goodness. I can't do that. How, how can I do this? How do I do this? I have to come every day? Like, what, what do you mean? As you start putting your sacrifice, if at the time of inspiration, you didn't think about what you need to give up in order to get what you're inspired about, you're going to fall in the trap and fall on your face and never again, probably in that area, you won't even try it anymore. Because you'll say, oh, been there, done that, tried it. 
I tried to be on committees a few times already. It didn't work out. I tried to learn. It never worked out. I tried. Never worked out. Never worked out. Why didn't it work out? It didn't work out because you lost your inspiration and you didn't know how to actually bring it into fruition. Here's a great example. Hey, by the way, this happens sometimes. This happens sometimes in... <clears throat> there are people, for example, not Baruch Hashem, not in our community like that, but there are people in Israel that really, when we say secular, we mean secular. I mean, they know nothing. Zero. They don't know Shema Israel. They don't know anything about anything. We're so blessed. Really, if you think about it, how blessed our community is, that we really don't have such examples. Even the guy who's in the lowest level, he knows so much, he's involved a little bit. That's a big beracha. But in Israel, you could have people that know nothing, zero. And they're, they're beautiful people. They're Jewish people. They have beautiful souls. They want more. I never met a Jew that doesn't want more. There's no such thing. A Jew doesn't want more, you're never going to meet someone like that. You may need the right keep him. You have to care for him. You have to understand him. And sometimes they have these organizations. You know, they take him for a Shabbat. Imagine a Jew is 50 years old never saw Shabbat. He never saw Kiddush. He never saw a table with family and children and grandchildren. Never, never saw what it's like to go to Beth Knesset and see all your friends and, and pray. He never saw it. Never heard a, a Dvar Torah, someone speaking, something inspiring. Never, never. We, we don't have such people. But that's what it is in Israel. So now you take this guy for a Shabbat for the first time in his life. you imagine taking a 50-year-old, for the first time in his life, he experienced a Shabbat. Do you have any idea what that feels like to somebody who never experienced Shabbat? I once, recently, I actually met somebody in Israel who was a secular Jew, completely secular Jew. So I was talking to him about his journey and basically, this was a man, maybe I mentioned this guy before once, he was a man that was, a, was an Israeli secular Jew, ended up moving to New York, he had a dream of becoming very, very wealthy, and he actually started living the dream. He opened a cosmetic company, something. And he was making a lot of money and living the life. Living in the city, I forgot which building he was living in. What, what turned his life around? He spent one Shabbat in Queens by some family. Since he walked out of the Shabbat, he said, I never felt anything like this. I never saw something like this. I cannot believe what I'm missing out. And that was the beginning of the journey. So you think a guy for the first time in his life is experiencing Shabbat? You go crazy. It's beautiful. What happens after that guy finishes Shabbat? He leaves the Shabbat on. He says, that's it. I'm good. I'm inspired. I'm in. I'm ready. I'm ready to take this on. Big trap. Because the next day, he wakes up in the morning. He has to tell him what I have to do. Tomorrow, I have to wake up at uh, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock? Why? Got to go pray. What? 7 o'clock? Tell him 7 No, 7 o'clock. No problem. 7.30, we have a minyan for you. Got to put on your tefillin. You got to. Then he starts. Okay, but you know, you got to make brachot. Can't just eat. And then, oh, wait, by the way, you got to, you know, make sure you don't speak. Watch how you talk. 
people, you can't just say any words. You just talk about things. You have to be careful. Oh, your father and mother, you know, they're, you have, they're holy. You got to make sure you kiss their hand, you stand up for them. Your father, every time he walks in, you got to make sure. Can't argue with your father. Guy's getting killed left and right. You know what happens after three days of that? He says, I'm out of here. Oh, what, what happened to Shabbat? Where'd it go? What happened to the inspiration? It's a trap. Inspiration makes you feel like you're almost there. And this is Yitro. Yitro is a perfect example of a man who's inspired. Look what he does. He gives up everything at the age of 100. Who knows how, much, how old he was? He gives up everything. He's ready to give up everything. Everything. You think you have things in your life. This man is running a country. He's got everything. And he says, wow. He hears about Kiriat Yamsuf. He hears about the splitting of the sea. He's going wild. So I got I to gotta be part of this. He hears about the war with Amalek. He says, wow, I got to be part of this. He says, I need to be here. What does he do? He comes. I'm in. I'm here. What do I got to do? Moshe Rabbeinu, who is a brilliant person who understands the soul of the person. You got to understand people. If you want to help people, you got to understand them. You cannot just get up and talk. You can't just get up and teach. You have to understand where they're coming from and you have to understand what their traps are going to be so you can help them along. Because if you let people just go on their own, you give them a, a good piece of advice and then they're on their own, they're going to lose it. Moshe Rabbeinu understands exactly where Yitro is right now. He's a man inspired to become something great, something big. And he's worried that it's only going to take three days before he realizes, wow, this is not so easy. It's great to eat man. But you know, when you eat man, there's no food in your pantry. You can't go for like, you know, sesame sticks in the afternoon if you want. It's not like that. Man is great, but not so easy to live a life only with man. Look at the Jewish people. They complained about the man. It's not so easy to live a life where every morning you have to wait. Is my food coming? You can't live like that. How much food do you have in your refrigerator? In your backup refrigerator? In your backup to the backup refrigerator? How much extra food is sitting down from Costco and from all these places? You don't just buy one thing. You buy because you want food for in case there's something. You have enough food for months. That's right. Variety and you have stock. Man is not like that. Man is awesome. But it's waiting every morning. Is it coming today? You go to sleep at night. There's no food. Imagine you go to sleep at night. There's no food for your children. For your family. Nothing. Zero. Now in the morning, you got to wait. Okay. Man's great. But man's not easy. And Moshe Rabbeinu knows this is the trap that this inspired man is about to encounter. Is there some kind of immunization that we can give this guy? Something, some pill to help him along the way that he doesn't crack? So Moshe Rabbeinu says yes. He tells Yitro, look at the words of the Torah, so beautiful. When he tells him about 
Yitzi about uh, the splitting of the sea. And he tells him about Amalek, the same things he heard, the same things. But the Torah says it kol ha-tela'ah. The word tela'ah means all the pain. He told them, Yitro, I want to tell you something. You heard about the splitting of the sea, how everyone's going in their own lane, the awesome miracles in the sea. You, you heard about that, right? Well, let me tell you what happened before the splitting of the sea. You didn't hear about that part. You know, people, when they get inspired, they only see the great things. Oh, this guy, he built something. Wow, it's awesome. They only see the great things he did. Hey, you know how many times he fell? You know how many times he had to stay up all night, had to give up sleep and give up money and give up, you know what I mean? You, you don't see that part. Inspiring people usually don't share with you all the troubles they had and all the sacrifice they had. You open a book about a great person, a biography, they'll tell you, oh, why wow, he did this, he did that, he built this, he built this, he went here, here. and you're looking, you're like, wow, I got it, what a guy, I got to be that. It's unbelievable. It's a terrible way to write a book. You should know. It's a terrible way to write a book. Because you give people the feeling that success comes all with roses. It's all, it's all great. You better write in that book that before his company made it, he actually was going bankrupt. And that he worked hard to pay every person, even though it, was, it wasn't easy for him. Write about that. Write about the nights that he couldn't sleep and he had to work to make sure he get back on track. Write about the different times in philanthropy that he had difficulty in either money or helping. Write about the time when he had no money and he still wrote a check because he knew people needed him. Write about that. That's what you got to write about. Don't tell me how great he accomplished. Tell me how much he struggled. Says Moshe Rabbeinu Tiyitro, my dear friend, my father-in-law, you heard about Yetziat Mitzrayim, but let me tell you what happened before Yetziat, before the Yamsu. Let me tell you where we were. We were stuck. We were by the Yamsuf. We were by the sea. Trapped. We couldn't go forward. We're in the sea. We have millions of people with us. We have animals with us. We couldn't go left and right. We couldn't go back. The Egyptians are, 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 are coming behind us. We were stuck. You have you any idea what that felt like? That wasn't easy. We had to really dig deep to figure out what we should be doing. We started praying. We started. And then the Yamsuf came. Ah, hey, Yitro, don't, don't think that we got to the success uh, uh, in, in, the, in the rosy way that you heard about in the newspapers. Amalek. Amalek. You understand? We have no army. We have no weapons. All of a sudden, this powerful Amalek training for 100 years to come fight with us. You, you understand what that was? Do you understand what we had to go through? Yes, we won Amalek, but it wasn't easy. This is the great advice of Moshe Rabbeinu, not only to you, throw to everybody. If you're a person who has children and they're inspired and they should be inspired either by you or others, you must always remember that inspired people are falling into a trap. And one of the ways to help them is to hold them and say, realize that what you're about, the journey you're about to go on is awesome. You're going to be able to do awesome things. But don't think you're going to be doing it easily. 
Shabbat is awesome. Yes. But it's going to take sacrifice. Just know, it's going to be sometimes hard. It's going to be sometimes hard. Learning is awesome. I could say from my own, I have to give anybody as an example. There's nothing in the world, and Baruch Hashem, God blessed me with many, many things. I have a lot of beautiful things in my life. I'm not missing anything. But there's nothing I enjoy in my life, enjoy, than learning. It's enjoyable. It's literally sitting, I feel, in Gan Eden. Enjoy, learn, understand. All you bad, beautiful. So the guy says, oh, guy hears that. Oh, wow, learning is so awesome. Okay, I'm in. You're in. You come to the, I, this happened to me before. When I was uh, maybe called young and, and maybe not so smart. So uh, 16 years ago, 70, I'm, I'm up there speaking in the dome. I started, I was a young man. I was the rabbi there. So now, you know, you got to speak every week on different subjects. So one of the weeks I spoke about, you know, learning Torah. How like it's a beautiful thing. You got to learn. Without learning, you, you, you dry up in life. So there's a thousand people there and I'm speaking and I'm inspiring. By the end of the speech, people were like, wow, that was great. How many people showed up? I told them, come, you know, Monday morning, we're going to start learning. So from 100, from 800 people, maybe, maybe 10, 15 guys came. Very nice number. Nice. You know, Rabbi, Monday, I'll see you Monday morning. What time? Where? What should I bring with me? And me, I went home that day, thinking, wow, it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I'm like Mashiach. I, I got up there. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. I got them inspired. They're going crazy. They're all in. Right? Another few of these speeches. There are a thousand people here. Okay, I'm all in. I said, I'm doing a great job. I come Monday morning, ready to go. Okay, they, got, they all show up. This table like this with all people sitting down. Get each guy a gemara. Okay, they have to, they all the all kinds of people. Guy's been running a business for 30 years. Guy, a real estate tycoon is there. There's a guy who's in the, in the retail business. And a guy is in the, all kinds, doctors, lawyers, they're all there. Okay, guys, <clears throat> open up your gemara. Uh, Rabbi, what, where, where, what page? Okay, um, okay. Turn, turn, yeah, da flamid. Da flamid? What is da flamid? Okay. <laughs> okay, takes about five minutes to get to the page. Now they're looking, now they're looking at a page that has, it likes Chinese a little. It's got, it's got columns on the right, it's got columns on the left. The columns go all around. There's, col there's things at the bottom, there's circles, there's, there's stars, there's, there's dots, there, there's no nekudot. It's, they're like, what is this? Right, we're, we're, right. And you see like within 15 minutes, like this rabbi is really, he sold us the Brooklyn Bridges guy. You can see in their face, they're like, okay, why, what, what is this? What is this? And then, and then finally you get them to put their finger on the place. If they go, this guy's a doctor for 30 years, he's going like this, he's trying, he's trying to figure it out, you understand? He's going like, he's looking. Can't understand, can't read. Okay, guys, we're learning the Mishnah. What does the Mishnah say? The Mishnah says the halakha is like this. Okay, you got it? I got it. What does the Mishnah say? Oh. What does the Mishnah say? One time I got so disturbed by a guy. I told him, you're a proof 
that money doesn't come from brains. <laughs> I said the same line 10 times. I said, what did we learn? I don't know. I said, I said you're a lesson in Emunah. You're a living lesson. Uh, God forbid. I said it nicely. But it's the truth. You sit with people, they're, they're running businesses, they're doing great things. They, they can't follow three words. Okay, finally, they got the Mishnah. Okay, got it? Yeah, great, beautiful. Okay, now we're going to do the Gemara. Gemara says that whatever it took me 20 minutes to explain to the Mishnah makes no sense. So it took me 20 minutes to tell them why it makes sense. And that is a question that it makes no sense. So now, I, so here's the question. That doesn't make sense. So what's the question? You understand the question? So, yeah, I got the question. I didn't get the question. Back, it takes another 15 minutes to get the question. Finally, everyone got the question. So now I asked the guy, so what did the Mishnah say? Oh, for the Mishnah, I forgot the Mishnah. But this is real time. I didn't make this up. I live this. Then they got the answer. Then they forgot the question. By the time the guy left, he put his Gemara up for, uh, for Genizah. But came back. He's not coming back anymore. Here he is, Shabbat. He's all excited. Allah Mabba. Wow, the biggest, wow, the biggest pleasure. It's the biggest pleasure in life. I can't believe it. I'm ready. I'm all in. He comes in what pleasure? I don't understand it. I, don't, I can't read it. And after a few days, you see there's nobody left. It's a reality. Nobody left. And then I learned Parashat Yitro. Serious, I learned this Parashat. And I saw this. I remember someone brought it out so beautifully. And I said, what a, it's my fault. I ruined those people's lives. Without even realizing, I, me I meant well, but I didn't have the right tools. Today, somebody says, I want to learn. I said, come, let's meet. Let's talk. Let's meet. I want to talk to you. Why do you want to learn? It's great. Learning is great. It's awesome. But just know, there's work here. Don't think coming in the first day. What, what, what good thing in life, tell me, that you're going to come in the first day and you're going to enjoy? Guy sees someone playing the piano. He's all going crazy. Wow. What a, what a, look at the music, look at the sound. I love music. I wish I could sit and play the piano. I see my son playing piano, I go crazy. Also, let me sit down and do it. Can't do it. But, but it's great. Hey, it's great, but you, gotta, you gotta work. There's nothing in life that's enjoyable without working. If you don't give them that, that pill ahead of time, you haven't helped people. People who are inspired, they want to do big things. But there's a trap coming their way. And if you're a Moshe Rabbeinu for them, you give them a slightly different picture. The motivation is great. It's true. But there are things you got to do. How many people today, unfortunately, in our community, how many young men, when it comes to the business world, they're only dreaming of, you know, flipping buildings because they read about it in one of the articles and they heard about the guy who went public after two years and uh, made this awesome... Uh, uh, nobody talks about what that person did. No one talks about the years of education or the years of struggle or the... Year. So you have, because of social media perhaps, it became... Like, making money is supposed to be easy. To the point that if a guy gets a job and he has to work extra hard, he's like, ah, I'm not into it. I'm not into it. 
What are you not into it? No, no, it's a lot of work. What, 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 that's what you want to do. You want to work. That's supposed to be into it. Supposed to work. But that's been lost in our society today, unfortunately, for a lot of our children. They see the end product. It's all over the place. You know, in the old times, you didn't see the product. You saw your father going to work, your grandpa going to work. You saw them struggling. You saw what they did. Those are the people that you watched. But today, you get to see people that you never saw. And you never saw them struggle. And you just see the end. This guy sold. This guy's got a yacht. This guy's got this. And, all, and, and then you're walking into it thinking, oh, why is this not happening? I'm already a year in business. Why am I, why am I going public? What, what, what are you talking about? What are you saying? And that, it, it's a real thing. And people get discouraged and people get are in pain. This is the great, amazing advice of Moshe Rabbeinu to every responsible person, whether you're a rabbi, you're a leader, you're a father, every responsible person, when you see your son, your daughter, your friend, your student inspired, you should be excited for them. But remember to tell them about what they should be expecting. The guy left Shabbat for the first time. He feels great. Sit them down. I want to tell you, you have a great road ahead of you. It's awesome. I'll give you my word, it's awesome. But just know there's going to be some hard days. There's going to be some hard moments. Not going to be so easy. It's going to be an investment. Just know that. And get him ready for that. This way when he encounters it, okay, oh, that's what they spoke about. I got it. I'm not going to play piano uh, automatically. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, great. Now I know. I got to take lessons. I got to work hard. Once you know that ahead of time, it's okay. It's okay. We're ready to invest to become great. But we have to know that. And that's the danger of and the trap of all inspiration. It makes you feel like things are just so easy and so obvious and so natural. And they're not. And you have to make sure you realize that second part. You see, I thought this man is a tremendous, tremendous piece of wisdom that I feel I use in my life plenty of times. And I feel it's relevant for every person, for themselves and for others. Have a beautiful day. Shabbat Shalom.